Hey, what's up, Space Cadets? We have had an exciting week re-releasing the Draft Breakdown website. If you have not seen that yet, go check it out on our website, www.ffastronauts.com slash draftbreakdown, uh, where you can find all the tape and stats for incoming rookies for the 2019 class. We will be releasing the 2020 class soon. Uh, we've already started working on it. We also just launched our Patreon page. Thank you to all of our supporters, the new ones including Mike, Ryan, Sean, Jane, Andy. Thank you so much for all of your support. Really, really excited to have you aboard. So do yourself a favor. Go over to patreon.com slash ffastronauts. Support us today and we will give you all kinds of goodies. Go ahead, check that out before you listen to the show. And as always, thank you so much to all of our loyal listeners. We couldn't do this podcast without you. We're really, really grateful for all the support you guys continue to give us. Now sit back, relax, and prepare for launch. All right. We're going. Still recording. My bad, guys. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm eating some Chinese food, so I might burp a little bit. What's an Esquire? Money jacket. Kirk Cousins. Ginger oh. Jabba the Hutt. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to another. Wait, you don't episode. have to do like a live explanation of what's happening. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Astronauts. I'm your host, Rish. You can catch me on Twitter at ff underscore rish. We got Austin T. Brooks Esquire. You can catch him on Twitter at Hot Takes Brooks. I'm not even gonna yeah. let him say hi because he can't ruins say, it every time. Can't call and me Esquire. Has. You can't call me Esquire until I actually have my degree. So I have to give that caveat. What's an Esquire? It's like Esquire, but it's it's more uh, enunciated. It's, it's because there's it's, an E. It's Esquire. It's Esquire. It's the Squire. Pero yo necesito practicar en United's... What is it? How do you say Estados Unidos? Yeah. And then we have... Jetpack Galileo. You can find him on Twitter at Jetpack Galileo. What's up, Jetpack? I'm very excited for this mock draft we're about to do. So today we are doing a mock draft, and we're just going to take you through it as we as we go through. We have uh, Jetpack drafting from the four spot. Hot takes Brooks at the eight spot, and I am drafting from the 11 spot. It is a 12-team dynasty PPR league. The first three players off the board were Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, and Devontae Adams. Sleeper kind of does a weird uh, weird ADP thing, so it's not always going to be exactly in order of ADP. Which is fun. Which is fun because it's like you're drafting with real people, with real opinions. So, Jetpack, who are you taking with the 104 and why? I'll take Christian McCaffrey. I like the receiving volume he's going to be getting. He was a uh, 100% snap count guy um snap share guy so big fan of cmc he's young he'll be there for a long so i'm all aboard the cmc now there's a lot of people that have him right up there as the the rb1 in dynasty um right next to saquon do you think that it's even close between those two um no not in terms of actual value i think saquon is as elite as it's going to get um cmc is just your your next best thing right yeah, I agree. Well, you say that. Come on. Like, yes, he is next week's best thing, but I still would put them in the same tier as far as fantasy output goes. Eh. That, I mean, that's, yeah, that's fair. You can, I mean, you can see that from a PPR standpoint, but they're both going to catch a ton of balls. Yeah, I don't know. It's. I, I agree like, that Saquon is better than, or I would rather have Saquon than CMC. I'm just saying, it's not like there's some huge drop off or gap in between the two. Yeah, as far as tier based drafting goes. Yeah, I, I could see I could see them being uh being in the same tier. Yeah, I, I mean I I think I think CMC is probably a top three pick for me. I would have gone with him over Kamara or Adams there. So I think you got to steal at the 104. Yeah, I think, I've never seen Adams go there before. I've done a de- decent amount of mock drafts, so I I don't really understand where that's coming from. I think that uh, CMC could fall into a committee at some point in his career, and Saquon will never ever fall into that. That's that's absolutely fair yeah if cmc gets starts getting banged up at all you know yeah. they're gonna They'll split shares yeah. yeah but i mean he has no history of that 
so I think I think it's a great pick. The interesting thing is is Devonta Adams. Do you think he's worthy of that number one wide receiver spot in Dynasty? Uh, yeah, I got him at number three right there. So uh, one, two, and three are all really close for me for the wide receivers. Um, I have Odell number one. Obviously, he's paired with Baker. I really like that uh, mix there. Um, and he's a little bit younger than uh, DeAndre. So yeah, and he's paired with an elite quarterback. The thing about Rodgers or uh, Devontae Adams is that he's, he's with Rodgers, so I'll take Devontae Adams over Michael Thomas or like a Keenan Allen or whoever else you got down the list who's got a little older quarterback. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Um, so next up at the 105, Zeke went, and then DeAndre Hopkins at 6, Odell Beckham at 7, and then Brooks on the clock at 8, and I was really hoping this guy would slip to me, but Brooks, who do you got? I got Zeke. <clears throat> One and only Juju Smith Schuster, the only person with that many letters combined next to each other and then two last names besides JJ Arcega Whiteside. But <laughs> I like Juju because I really think that he is going to. I don't think that the. I don't think he's going to improve drastically between last year and this year, but I do think he'll take a small step forward without AB. So I think that people need to temper their expectations. Juju is not Antonio Brown. He's not that skilled. He's not. Now, he's very good. He's extremely good. And because of the Pittsburgh offense, he's going to be elite as far as fantasy production goes. But don't don't think that you're getting new AB. That's that's not what you're getting. So understand your expectations. Understand what you're going to be getting. That said, I'm this is kind of uh, my my elite tier RBs are all gone and my elite tier wide receivers are all gone. So I had to choose between my second tier of running backs and my second tier of excuse me, wide receivers. Sorry, guys, I'm eating some Chinese food, so I might burp a little bit. You have um, a tendency to burp on the pod, which is kind of funny. I've noticed that. I'm the, uh, yeah, I never burp either. It's kind of weird, but it's like, uh, only like when you're podcasting. Kind of thing. Ginger oh. Jabba the Hutt. What? Does he burp a lot? I, I'm going to have to go rewatch <laughs> the originals. Uh, but yeah, I, I love Juju. I, I have a jersey of him in my house, so it seems appropriate for me to draft him here, but also. he's He legitimately is the next person I would draft in this position. I, my other options. Would have been someone like Michael Thomas, who I expect Drew Brees to retire. Not that that hurts Michael Thomas's output, but I, I I think it might. It's possible. So we never you never know, and I don't have to worry about that if I if I take Juju, who I think Ben Roethlisberger is on contract until what 21, 22. Yeah, I think he's on until 21. So you have another uh, three seasons with him. Yep. So I I don't have to have those any sort of quarterback concerns. I trust both those offenses. So I think you could definitely make the case for taking Michael Thomas here. But for me, it was Juju. I think that's a great pick. He's entrenched. He's the only guy that is really entrenched at that at his uh, wide receiver one spot in that Pittsburgh offense. There's nobody that you're confident drafting as a wide receiver um, in that offense after him. So you know that he's going to get a ton of volume. He had a ton of volume last year. He's only going to see uh, an uptick. So I think I think that's an excellent pick, and I, I would have gone with him there as well, probably. After that, we have Michael Thomas going at the 109, Melvin Gordon after that. And then I'm on the clock at the 111, and I take one of my favorite running backs uh, in the NFL, and that's Joe Mixon. I think he's uh, he's he's one of the most talented running backs in the NFL uh, as far as uh, a PPR back. He's a, an excellent, excellent receiver. And I think that goes under recognized sometimes. And I think he's in a, a prime spot to succeed this year with Zach Taylor, hopefully coming over and implementing a lot of the RB usage, a lot of passing to the running back. So I'm really, really hoping for a top five season for Joe Mixon and getting him at the 111, I think is is perfect for me. So I feel really good having locked up my number one running back slot. And that's kind of a draft strategy that I have is take the highest floor running backs. And I think in PPR, Joe Mixon right there was my highest floor player available. Um, I mean, obviously, if he gets injured, then then you have to go find a backup. But there his backups are really, really good. And so um, I think locking up the Cincinnati run game is is going to be um, valuable as far as their usage in the past game. So I think Mixon's interesting because if you didn't own him, you might have missed it. But he had uh, knee surgery in the middle of the season where he missed two games. So he had a meniscus issue. Uh, so already coming into some cartilage um, questions there, which is a big deal for me. I know he's 22 years old, so he's pretty young. Um, but at least the knee concerns and then already knowing that 
he's very replaceable in that offense in terms of they can plug Gio in that now they can do Travion or Rodney or really anybody. I think there's a little bit of risk there. That's why he's at the spot he's at. Um, but so for me, Mixon is, I'm, I'm not going to reach for Mixon anywhere, even though I love the talent. Um, just because I think they've shown a tendency to go committee and then Zach Taylor coming from, you know, seeing what happened with Todd Gurley, I think, um, you know, maybe they just keep his touches to around 250, 275. So. Any chance Rodney Anderson usurps Joe Mixon in that backfield by 2020? No, not unless there's so. injuries. No. Yeah. I think, I think Joe Mixon is super safe there. And I just think his talent is, is elite. And I would put him against almost any other running back in the NFL. If he was in, if he was in the same backfield as almost any other running back in the NFL, he would beat that other running back out. Um, and I, I love, I love that he's he's going to be one of your most one of the most consistent solid options for Andy Dalton with AJ Green kind of being questionable around with injury and stuff Tyler Boyd Boyd being a little inconsistent John Ross being inconsistent and so I think Joe Mixon's just going to be a solid option for Andy Dalton a little safety valve for him next up went Mike Evans and Nick Chubb on the turn and then I'm back up and with the second pick in the second round I took Julio Jones. And this is another guy that, I mean, I watched him play last year and he's just so, so dominant. Uh, He's just, I mean, he's one of the best athletes in the NFL and (laughs) you're on the clock, Brooks. I know I got, got sniped. We'll get to that. So, (laughs) so Julio, I think has a really safe floor as far as passing volume. And I'm really, really hoping they give him the ball more in the end zone. I don't understand why they don't. And it's infuriating as a Julio Jones owner, but I think if his touchdown volume goes up a little bit, his red zone targets go up a little bit. There's no reason he can't be the number one wide receiver in the NFL in 2019. I think I think that's absolutely easily attainable for him, and I think his floor again is super high. Yeah, I think uh, I mean there's if anyone that has been drafted so far of the people that have been drafted so far, none of them have a better reputation than Julio Jones. No one, none has been more consistent. Uh, none has been more successful. None of them have had a more distinguished career in the NFL. So you know what you're getting. And that's one of the best things. And one of the most important things early on in a dice draft is making sure you're purchasing something that you know for sure what you're getting. You don't want to, and Ben, you add in if you disagree here, but for me, I want to mitigate my risk as much as possible in the first four rounds or so of, of a startup because I want to be able to protect myself from potentially getting somebody that's completely worthless over a three-year time span. Anytime I'm drafting someone, I'm thinking uh, over a three-year time span, especially these early rounds. Now, Julio is probably an exception because I, I don't know. Do you, do you guys know what Julio's uh, contract is? Uh, I think they're in contract talks. Again, did they sign him again to a new one? How, how I don't think 30? they've updated his contract. He's 30. 30. So you, you're still, I mean, he's still doing fine. I think you've got at least three years out of him. Um, I suspect they're going to try and do a three-year contract. I'll be surprised if it's longer than that. You're going to get into a Peter Garçon type situation where you're signing someone too long into their career. That's uh, Peter Garçon got signed with the 49ers, and they gave him way too much money for way too long amount of the time. And he's not even with the team anymore. So I think that they're going to have to control that contract to be about three years, which is what you want. Um, and I, I feel I feel like that's a great pick. Yeah, so he's signed through 2020. Um, and so that's kind of what you're working with. He's got two more seasons under contract with them. So which that, is that'll be his age 31 solid. season. Um, and they'll, they'll re-sign him. It's super, super solid. a two-year contract at, yeah. at that point. Right. So... After Julio Jones went Todd Gurley, then David Johnson, and I believe David Johnson was the snipe that Brooks is upset about here. Yeah, definitely not Todd Gurley. I am not taking Todd Gurley at any startups in the first two rounds. Uh, there's a 0% chance. I might take him in the third, but I'm not, probably not. I don't trust the knees. I am looking for somebody who's, like I said, going to produce over a three-year time span. So that is not okay. Now, David Johnson, on the other hand, is a totally different story. I think David Johnson is severely underrated coming into the season because of the season he had last year. A lot of fantasy owners were upset. I was a personal owner. I bought him in a startup last year, and I knew it might be rough, but I trusted his, I trust his talent. I trusted his playmaking abilities, and I, I mean, I wasn't upset. I mean, he finished as a low-end RB1, and 
I genuinely believe that was his floor. And if you have a guy that's going to be a stable RB1 no matter what you do, you have to be happy with that. So, yeah, I was disappointed that he got took here. That's who I was aiming for when I took Juju in the first place. I was hoping that he would get around to me, uh, but he didn't. So I'm actually going to make make a pick that you guys are going to be pretty shocked with. Um, So I had had to choose between Dalvin Cook, James Conner, and this person that I ended up taking, which was Lev Bell. So I, and this is actually a decision that's based on the other players and less about Lev Bell. I will say to Lev Bell, to Lev Bell's credit, he's in a very stable situation. He was given a massive contract, even though all of the, the GM fiasco that happened after um, afterwards, he still is in a stable situation. They're paying him a lot of money, and he's very talented. And they don't really have any major receiving threats, so he's going to be the workhorse of that offense. That said, I, I don't trust Dalvin Cook's knee injury. I, I don't, I'm not confident in that offense uh, structurally. I, I, I mean, Kirk Cousins has been fine. Stephon Diggs has been great. Um, who, am I, who am I missing? Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen, uh, Rudolph. They've all been good. Um, so, I, I mean, he's never going to be the primary focus of the entire offense in, in Minnesota. Uh, I don't see that. I also, moving to James Conner, I, I don't, I, I've talked about this before. I, I like James Conner. I would have, I took him in a few leagues last year, got great value out of him. But I don't trust that his talent level is so. Uh, I don't think he's irreplaceable as a, from a talent perspective. So let's let's get into that a little bit. So Amari Cooper went at went after Le'Veon Bell, then Keenan Allen, then Travis Kelsey, the first tight end off the board, and then at the two oh nine, Ben, who'd you take? I'm, I'm taking James Conner there. I'm pretty excited about that. James Conner, I think was RB six or seven, depending on how you're playing. Um, last season, he missed two or three games. Um, and so to see him fall to RB11, I'm pretty happy about it. He's really young um, and, you know, stepped into that offense and did almost everything that Le'Veon Bell did for them. Um, so I think they have seen enough to believe in him and support him. Um, and I don't care necessarily what the GM says about, you know, making it a committee or all that. You, you just say that when you have a bunch of good backs that you believe in. Right. And so James Conner is the best of those. Um, and they have no reason to um, hold him back from from being the bell cow there. So I'm going to try to handcuff him. Um, but yeah, I like James Conner at that spot. What do you think about his talent, Ben? Brooks was a little bit hesitant on let's, his talent. Let's rephrase so, it to a, a James Conner versus Love Bell. Who would you pick? Uh, yeah, I'll take Le'Veon. Um, so obviously Le'Veon Bell is the more talented running back, right? He's, he's top two or three in the, the league. Um, but with James Conner, he's given you the... The ability to do everything he's getting he's going to get the volume right and so from better that better offense better offense um uh, and age is a big factor for me so maybe he's i don't know 23 24 um and so what i really liked about james connor was how he's changed for me um in the pre-draft process um back when he was at pit i didn't love him he just looked kind of like a mediocre mover um, obviously a guy with a lot of heart and his story is a really cool story. Um, but you can see how much he loved the game when he played football and just running over people, but he wasn't super athletic or anything like that. And then you saw him slim down. He probably lost, um, maybe 10 pounds. Um, and then he, um, developed a little bit of quickness with that. And so, um, I really like to see how he has grown since his time at Pitt. Um, and so, yeah, I think with the Steelers, he's definitely a guy to believe in for me. Also, just you, you mentioned his story for some of the listeners that don't know. Uh, James Conner developed cancer during his college career and overcame it. Really, really awesome stuff. So if you get a chance, go go look into it and read up on it because he, he's a he's kind of a total bad egg. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a bamf for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I love the James Conner pick. I think having the Steelers running back is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal pick, especially at the back end of the second round. I think that's an absolute steal. Uh, after that, we have Stefan Diggs, Kenny Galladay, Karrion Johnson, Antonio Brown starts the third round, and then Dalvin Cook off the board, George Kittle, the second tight end off the board, and then Ben back up with an elite wide receiver option on the board, and he goes... I went with Adam Thielen, and I'm pretty excited about that. Again, so Adam Thielen is a little bit older, right? Um, and so he's maybe 29-ish. Uh, and so people will say, oh, you know, do you have concerns about the age? For me, all my players are three-year window guys, right? And in that window, I believe 
um, Adam Thielen will continue to be a wide receiver one um, paired with Kirk Cousins. Uh, I love his game. I think he can um, be relevant throughout any sort of game script. And I really like that about him. Um, if they need to, you know, run the clock out or anything like that, he can be the guy on third down to like keep the chains moving. Um, and he's a great, excellent uh, red zone threat. So, again, just love everything about Adam Thielen. Very satisfied with um, being able to get a wide receiver one, in my opinion, um, in the third round. Yeah, I love I love Adam Thielen. I'm a huge, huge fan. I found him in a, it was a keeper league. I drafted him in the fourth round of a nine keeper league. Uh, a couple couple years back, it was the the uh, rookie or the the pool draft. So I was really happy with that. And and what you kind of saw was him take a step at the end of a season and then just continue that. And so that's kind of what I've been looking for in players uh, as as I'm as I'm looking at these at these younger wide receivers. I'm looking for guys that kind of turn it on at the end of the season and see if they can can keep that going through the next couple of years of their career if they if if a, a switch kind of hits you're kind of hoping that for that for Devonte parker never really materialized for him but he was a guy that i was kind of always had my eye on near the end of the season to see hey is this guy going to figure it out or not i think another thing with Thielen is that you're dealing with someone who is not necessarily the uh, go-to wide receiver one in his own offense I think that scares me sometimes. It, obviously, he was the wide receiver one to start off the year last year, and then he kind of faded. Uh, and I also just don't know how I feel about Kirk Cousins um, as far as fantasy production. Now, obviously, <laughs> money jacket Kirk Cousins, so we don't have to worry too much about him falling out. But we do have to be a little like conscious that you're not with an elite passing offense. And I think sometimes that concerns me when you're taking two receivers from the same team this early in the draft. I'm super confident in both because you don't really have any other options and it the, the targets just get funneled to those two guys. You saw that <clears throat> Kyle Rudolph kind of just got phased out a little bit for a while and he still finished he still ended up finishing well, but when you have two wide receivers that finish in the top 12 or 13, that's that's exactly what you want to see. It's just like uh, what Drew Brees did with Michael Thomas and Brandon Cooks. It's just like what uh, they do over in L.A. with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks. And it's just so what Ben you're making my op- You're making my argument for me, though, because I think all three of those teams that you just named are elite offenses. I don't see that for the Vikings. So I, I just think that they are going to funnel the passes. So it doesn't necessarily have to even be uh, an elite offense, they're going to funnel the passes to these two guys, and that's that's enough for me. So if, on my end, I think they can turn into a really good offense, and so like I'm totally fine with it. Um, again, with with both of those receivers, they can win one on one matchups, and that's part of why I love them um, and why I think they have staying power. There's not anybody who can guard them consistently one on one throughout throughout an entire game. So the threat is always there uh, of them scoring. And I, it's for, so for me, Adam Thielen is basically just an older Michael Thomas. Um, yeah, that's how I'm going to treat him. Yeah, that's perfect. After that, uh, A.J. Green went, and then Patrick Mahomes, the first quarterback off the board. This is a one-quarterback league, so he went in the third round, mid-third round. Brandon Cooks, and then Brooks with the most Brooks pick ever. Who you got at the 308? Well, before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about that Patty Mahomes pick, because this is a dynasty. So. I think that I think the Pat Mahomes pick is actually okay. I think he's the only quarterback worth reaching for in the first five rounds. I don't necessarily think I would have done that. This person has taken DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, and Pat Mahomes. So they're completely going to be relying on the next two drops to be able to get replenish their running back situation. Because by the time the, the draft comes back around to them, they're going to be in trouble. So I think their draft strategy is stupid. But if you're able to get a, a running back and a wide receiver the first two rounds, I think that it's completely plausible to take Pat Mahomes in the third, especially later. I probably wouldn't have picked him that early, but later in, in that area. That's yeah, the only, I, only quarterback I think you can do that with. I think there were still a couple players on the board. Uh, I would have liked to have had um, Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods or or the one of the running backs before Pat. But, I mean, I definitely think if you're looking at the back end of the third round in a dynasty, he's a, he's a great pick. Yeah, so with my pick, it's the three three dot eight, which is the what pick are we at? Is that total three dot eight? 
Yeah, what would you? What else would you call it? Uh, the three oh eight. I don't know. The eighth pick in the third round. Three dot eight is a good thing. I like that, Brooks. Thanks, I've called that before. Yeah, though. no, that's I. That's literally what we're looking at. You know, my bad, guys. <laughs> my bad. So this is a thirty second pick. I'm taking Sony Michelle, uh, New England uh, running back. I'm not that worried about the knee stuff. I am definitely not worried about any other running backs in the backfield, um, which is a weird thing to say about the Patriots backfield. I will say that, and we're not going to get there because we're not going to do this many rounds in this draft, but I would handcuff Sony Michelle with Damian Harris, and I did that in all the leagues that I've taken him in. Um, we just did, Rich started this dynasty league called the Multiverse, where it has two different dynasty leagues that are connected. And so essentially it's two completely different leagues, but you can use leverage in one league to improve a trade offer in the other. So. You might trade somebody in League One that is completely a, a completely unbalanced trade, but you're doing a simultaneous trade in League Two where it's unbalanced in the opposite direction. It's really interesting. It's a lot of fun. It's a ton of fun because you have double the assets to trade, and you can decide to tank in one league and go for it all in the other league, or however strategy, whatever strategy you want to do, your teams can be completely different and it's it's a ton of fun but yes I think, I, I think it's a little sketchy because what rish and i ought to do i don't think we're going to but i think what we ought to do is tank in one league and just basically give our entire good portions of our roster to one, each of each other's separate leagues and i i think that can end up causing some serious it's not technically collusion because that's the purpose of the league but i think i think it'd be pretty unfair leave a lot of leave it completely unbalanced and ruin the whole league but Anyways, that that was my concern okay. with it. It's it's not something that yeah, it's something where you don't necessarily want to come in last because you lose a lot of overall points because you're you're going to you're you're looking for your overall ranking between the two leagues. So oh, I going didn't know for that. going for absolute last place hurts you there. So it's not any anything that any person's trying to get trying to tank completely because that hurts your overall ranking and I think that's the protection there from just trading all of your assets. So it's, Anyways. it's, it's a possibility, but it's, it's not super likely. Back on what I was just talking about with Sony, I, with Sony, I, I'm not worried about anybody usurping him or taking over the role, but I am pre- going to protect him with, from any sort of injury concerns uh, with Damian Harris in all my leagues. Um, and I did that in both those two leagues. So I think that's an excellent strategy. Damian Harris is pretty cheap still. Uh, his hype's growing just a little bit, but I think I think that's an excellent strategy. I want the the New England running back as well. I'll also say I wanted I was hoping AJ Green would fall to the next round, um, but he definitely didn't. He went right after Ben's pick. So yeah. So after after Sony Michelle, we have T Y Hilton, then Robert Woods, and I'm back on the clock. And I decided to get a third or a second running back rather, and I took Aaron Jones. And I'm a big Aaron Jones believer. Uh, I think that watching him back at UTEP I thought he was great and I'm I'm excited to have someone that's tied to Aaron Rodgers uh as it hurts me as a Bears fan I don't necessarily want Green Bay players but it's going to be an efficient offense and you have the head coaching change where Matt LaFleur really likes to utilize the run game so overall I'm really excited about the Packers backfield and you get a really cheap handcuff in Jamal Williams if you want it, or Dexter Williams if you want it. So I'm all aboard the Packer backfield. I'm just excited about my running backs there. Zach Ertz and Cooper Cup went at the turn, and then I, I saw this guy on the board, and there's kind of a little bit of a tear break here as far as the overall offense efficiency goes. And so I took Marlon Mack uh, in the fourth round, and he's my third running back, and I feel really good about having three solid running backs uh, that are just going to be bell cows for me and they're going to handle a lot of the PPR stuff. So uh, I'm really excited to have Marlon Mack as my number three running back. A lot of teams will have him as their number two running back and I want any running back that is tethered to an efficient Andrew Luck offense. I know there's some injury concern there so a strategy that I do have is um, getting a running back that has a lot of perceived value and Marlon Mack's perceived value is quite high right now and then potentially flipping them for maybe a slight downgrade but an increase in assets maybe get uh, a 
Uh, I don't know, like a David Montgomery in a first or something, something along those lines where you downgrade at the position just slightly, but upgrade your assets overall. And then you, you mitigate your injury risk because you have more assets overall. So I like Marlon, Marlon Max value in the early fourth round. Just, you guys just love my pick that much. You have nothing to add. It's good. It's beautiful, man. Anything with Quentin Nelson. Love it. Just give me all the Quentin Nelson protected people. Quelson Nenton. Quelson Nenton. After that went Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis and Brooks. You're back on the clock. Who are you taking? So I took Josh Jacobs, rookie running back for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I love Josh Jacobs on film. Uh, If you read my rookie running back review, you'll see that the big question mark around Josh Jacobs is his production. In college, he did not. Out of all the first-round rookies ever taken, Ben, your your stat was that he had the least amount of yards, least amount of attempts, and the least amount of uh, touchdowns. Isn't that correct? Of all rookies ever taken in the first round, just generally, he's the least productive, probably player. Yeah, right. So I watched him on film. I've watched several games now, and I don't care. Don't care about any of that stuff. He's freaking. I I mean, he's really really talented uh, i think that i can trust him running into between the between the tackles and i trust that he's going to get that type of usage in a gruden offense i think that with ab there's going to be enough of a, a passing threat to force them not to be able to force opponents not to be able to stack the box too much i don't know that i necessarily trust Carr that much enough to say that that's going to be a certainty but i think that there's enough of a of a threat there in ab that it'll help and then there's no other running backs in that backfield, which is the biggest, biggest part. Yes. Uh, there's no other running backs. I mean, you had Crow, who went down with an injury. Who else? Besides Chris Warren, who else? Chris Warren, uh, Jalen Richard, DeAndre Washington. So Jalen Richard's more of a receiving back. Um, I don't care about DeAndre Washington. Uh, and then I, I think Chris Warren could have been decent in this offense, but he's never really going to get an opportunity. Uh, I really liked him on tape too. But I think Josh Jacobs is the guy. I, I don't think that there's anyone else. I don't. I really don't even think that Jalen Richard's going to spell him that much for as far as like their down work goes. So uh, I try. I'm I'm really pumped. I, I think this is a great pick. I'm very happy with it. So yeah. So with Josh Jacobs, I totally 100% agree. He has the talent or he has the traits. Um, to be able to carry that load, uh, and that's really what you're excited for. He has no competition, and he's one of those rare backs that is in that type of situation. Um, this is kind of the last of the backs where there's no committee at all, right? And so Josh is like your last stand there. So very Derek happy Henry got picked right after him. Do you think that Derrick Henry is in that same situation where he is the 100% guy? I'd rather have Josh Jacobs, 100%. I, I, would, I, I would too. That's why I took him, yeah. but... My my question is more so just do you think that there's any chance that uh, Deion Lewis takes away reps from him going into this year, stuff like that? I, I don't think Derrick Henry will be on the field as, as the pass catching back ever. And so that's a big issue for me as far as having him out there. So, you know, if they're ever down, Derek, you're not going to see Derrick Henry anymore. Right. Um, they, have, they have the defensive structure to be able to hold up and, you know, he can definitely see a, a majority of touches and, and see really good volume overall. Um, but yeah, I mean, Deion Lewis has to be the guy at some point. If it's if you're down ten and you're in the fourth quarter, like you gotta have Deion out there. So absolutely. Um, after so after Derrick Henry, DJ Moore went, and then Calvin Ridley, and with the four oh nine, Ben, you took a gamble here. Who you got? I took Tyreek Hill. This is a huge I, reach, by the way. I would uh, love to hear some thoughts uh, from Brooks on this, but get into it with with me. Um, I'm okay with, I'm comfortable with reaching on Tyreek Hill because I don't care about the receivers after him. Um, he's the number one wide receiver in fantasy football. And um, the running backs, I feel safe enough with whoever's going to fall, I can get them on the, the turnaround. Um, so like whoever's left over, it's like the Philip Lindsay's, Damian Williams, David Montgomery. Like I love all those guys. I'll take one of them, whoever that is in the fifth round. I'm going to reach for Tyree Kill to make sure that I get him and not one of these dumb, stupid computer guys. <laughs> Brooks, I'll give us give us a quick, just like a quick breakdown on what the projection is for Tyree Kill at this point with the, the news that came out recently. What's what's kind of what's he looking at here as far as punishment and NFL repercussions? 
my point was just been that I think you could have waited until the fifth, like where you took Phil Lindsay. I think you could have taken uh, Phil Lindsay first, just in case, and then Tyreek would have still been there in your next pick. That's all I was saying. Right. Uh, as far as legal stuff goes, so they just didn't announce what two days ago, maybe three, that there's no active investigation against him. The problem with the case against him is that, well, it's so messy. There's some weird stuff that, some cover-up type stuff that happened, in my opinion. But just focusing on the legal situation is there's no active investigation um, based on the, the jurisdiction that the offense or potentially a potential offense occurred, right? So there's no active investigation. That's good. Uh, there was the audio that was released that basically said uh, it was the child saying that the dad did it. Uh, but the problem is that there's two two problems. One, uh, there's no way for them to prove which of the parents did it. And you're saying, oh, but there's audio of the child saying that he did it. Okay. Child child testimony is one of the most, un, it's notoriously one of the most unreliable pieces of evidence in court. Because child testimonies, they're, they, kids are, are prone to lie. And they're really easy to manipulate on the stand. So it's it's very easy for for a pro, uh, excuse me, a, a, an attorney to cr- on cross-examination uh, mess with the kid to where it ruins their credibility on the stand. So you can't tell if the kid is lying or is trustworthy. So anytime you have a, a child witness, and that's the only witness in this case, it's really the only way that the prosecution could make a case is based on that child's testimony. And there's no way that that's enough for them to feel comfortable bringing the, the suit against him, uh, the criminal charges against him, excuse me. And that's and that's tough because you don't you never want to hear the audio of a kid saying that this person hurt them and then there's you not, can't do anything about it. There's there's not an audio of the kid. It's the oh, audio it's, of the mom talking to Tyreek about it. Oh, uh, uh, no, no, no. There, there's there's something where the kid says uh, daddy did it or something like that. Yeah, that's her talking about telling Tyreek. Why does he say that you did it? It's all it's all just really messy. And the fact that. The fact that there's it doesn't change anything, by the way. There's not no, any. The fact that there's not any like legal repercussions right now for him, and and that there's not they're not gonna pursue anything, that bodes well for his fantasy value because you know at this point he's not going to jail, and so like that's that's a huge plus right there. Expect uh, a four game suspension at a minimum, as what yeah. I would say. Yeah, but this this being dynasty, you're getting a young wide receiver here that is elite in an elite offense, and so I, I'm okay with the pick. It it may I, I think you definitely could have waited another round, but locking up the number one wide receiver in fantasy is is never a bad option. Yeah, and to Ben's credit, why wait? Why why risk it? It's I mean, much rather have Tyreek than worry about you know. Phil is is replaceable compared to Tyreek. So yeah. So after that, we had uh, a kind of a mini quarterback run. We had Andrew Luck, then Deshaun Watson, Corey Davis, Baker Mayfield, uh, Chris Godwin, who I want to just talk about really quickly. Uh, he's getting a lot of hype. He's uh, the number two wide receiver on Tampa Bay, and he's not necessarily proven anything thus far. So you're kind of it's, I feel like it's the Bruce Arians hype and the athletic hype that is getting Chris Godwin right now. I'm buying him, but I'm also, if people are willing to pay a premium for him, I will absolutely sell Chris Godwin because I think there's a ton of question marks for him as far as production. You like the situation he's in and you want to like the talent, but I think there's a lot of question marks. I, I think he's going in the right spot. He's fairly valued, so... Um. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. I have no problem with him in the fifth. Uh. Devonta Freeman went after Chris Godwin, and then Ben, or sorry, Jetpack, <laughs> is okay. back up. And so I. I went and took Philip Lindsay again. Philip Lindsay is a RB one. I now have three RB ones, and then two wide receiver ones on my team. Um. Which I'm pretty happy about, just from last year. And I know that things change year over year and all that kind of stuff. But where I'm at, I feel really comfortable. Um, getting all those guys. So I, I like Philip Lindsay. I'm not concerned too much about Royce. I think he'll carry the load. Um, he's as talented um, as really anybody uh, in the league um, being taken at this spot. So yeah, all aboard Philip Lindsay train. Yeah, I'm a big Philip Lindsay fan, and I think I think he's an excellent talent. And he just flat out beat Royce Freeman out for touches. So 
I think anyone that can beat out a was was Royce a second or a third round pick. Anyone that can as an undrafted guy, if you can beat out a player that was drafted, you are a really good talent. That just proves how good you are because nothing was handed to you, and you had to work for every rep that you got. He's the fastest running back in the league, and so there's some you know some power behind that. There's a reason why you want him. Absolutely. So after Philip Lindsay, uh, Damian Williams went, who's another risky guy. O.J. Howard, David Montgomery at the 507. And then with Brooks, um, fifth round pick, who'd you take? So I've got um, right now I've got Love Bell, Sonny Michelle, Josh Jacobs. So I also feel confident in three RB1s, although two of them weren't on the field last year. So maybe more question marks than Ben, but I, I feel pretty confident in those three. And I've got Juju as my wide receiver one. So what I was looking for, I could keep trying to get some more running backs. There's some on the board that I'm interested in, but I'd rather start stocking up on some uh, wide receivers that I feel I can be confident in based on their longevity. So the most confident, consistent, high floor pick I could possibly pick right here for my wide receiver two is Jarvis Landry. Uh, Jarvis Landry, he's got Baker Mayfield, who, you know, I mean, I could beat up Baker Mayfield if I really needed to. But he's all right. He's a good quarterback for fantasy. And so I, I like him. He's got OBJ coming in. So that's going to take away some potential targets. And Jarvis is a high target share type of guy. He needs those uh, that type of volume to be able to maintain his fantasy relevance. So I think that's what kind of puts him in this wide receiver two area. But I, he's a wide receiver two I can trust because I know he's got that volume. He's, he's um, like other type of slot receivers that have high eye volume, like a Julian Edelman, for example, who who was relying on that volume to be able to make that work rather than um, yardage. Uh, and I trust that. And I think that uh, I, I feel confident with him at, in that, that role. And he's also on contract until 2022. So that's another big plus for me. I don't have to worry about him going anywhere. Uh, he's still fairly young. And I know he's going to have a lot of stability with his quarterback. I know he's going to have a lot of stability with his contract. Uh, so, yeah, I, I trust him. I think I think another thing you're looking at is improved efficiency in that offense with Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham being on the field opens up the field for Jarvis Landry. So where he may not have excelled last year, he is going to have easier targets because he's no longer the biggest threat on the field. You have a lot of playmakers on that team and you have to you have to be careful of all of them. So Jarvis is no longer the best wide receiver. He's probably the the number three worry that defenses will have, and that's just going to open up a lot for him. I like him where he's being valued right now, uh, in the in the fifth round as as your wide receiver too. I think that's a, an excellent pick. I'm actually fading Jarvis Landry because he's a volume guy and he's going to get less volume. Pretty simple, right? So um, I don't know really where he finished. I think he finished as a wide receiver two last season, um, and you know it took him a while for him and Baker to develop some chemistry um, but again if Odell's there you know touches are going to go down so the Jarvis for me is actually a fade uh, where he's at I'll, I'll take him later that's that's fair I, I think that I think that his volume will be enough there with a more efficient offense right um, so I think which is I think what I'm counting on I have to I count think, on that that offense making a step up for him I to think do what I'm saying he's going to do I think he's appropriately placed right now I don't know that I don't know that there's I mean there are a couple of guys that I would take over Jarvis right here, but he's right in that range for me. Next, after that, we had Allen Robinson with the ninth pick, and then Tariq Cohen, 10th, and then with the 11th pick in the fifth round, uh, my strategy's kind of changed here. So the first, the first four rounds, I wanted high-volume, kind of stable guys. Uh, there's a little bit of injury risk mixed in there, but... I wanted just very, very high-powered offenses and, and stable production. And so now from here on out, I'm pretty much going upside plays. So there's a lot of guys that, that I could take that would have uh, a little bit higher floor here. But I'm going Tyler Lockett. I think, I mean, he's a, he's a wide receiver one, and they just paid Russell Wilson. So I'm hoping that offense passes the ball a little bit more. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping for a little bit more Tyler Lockett uh, volume, and I mean he's he's the last guy that has been a wide receiver one that's on the board, and so I think Tyler Lockett right here is a great upside play. Don't know what his volume's gonna be. Don't know don't know how it's going to transfer this year. Uh, but I, I think he's I think he's my favorite pick in the fifth round just because of his pure upside. And especially with Doug Baldwin retiring, you have to expect him to have some sort of 
increased role in that offense. So, yeah, I, I like this pick. I think you have Russ Wilson already has chemistry with him. You don't have to worry with anything like that. And they bring in Metcalf, and Metcalf's his style isn't really going to take away that much from Tyler Lockett. So uh, I think they can be pretty complimentary to one another. So, yeah, I think this is a good pick. High upside. Super high upside. So from for the the after the first four rounds, I just want upside plays because I feel like I have a stable base uh, for two running backs, a flex, and now I just want the highest week to week upside possible moving forward. Um, and that would that would be my strategy for the rest of the draft. Uh, we're gonna end it here after five rounds because as you know these these dynasty drafts can take a long time. I've been in ones that have taken weeks. Uh, to complete with the Rich, slow draft. Let's do a summary real quick. Say all your oh, and, players. And then, and then uh, Aaron Rodgers went at the last pick of the fifth round. So my team, I ended up with Joe Mixon and then Julio Jones, Aaron Jones, Marlon Mack, and Tyler Lockett. And I feel stellar about that team. I'm a late round QB guy, so I'm going to grab uh, maybe a Drew Brees and a Sam Darnold stack uh, later in the draft. Brooks, you ended up with? Uh, I started out with the eighth pick overall. I took Juju. In the next round, I took Lev, uh, Lev Bell. Then third round, I took Sony Michelle. Fourth round, I took Josh Jacobs. And fifth round, I took Jarvis Landry. I went uh, McCaffrey, Connor, Thielen, Tyreek Hill, Philip Lindsay. We should throw this up on Twitter and see uh, who did the best. So Risher's Multiverse League is totally his invention. And I think that's super awesome to see. Um, Wait, there's no rookies in this draft? There are. Are there? Yeah. I don't think there are. Let's change it real quick. Yeah, there's not. Oh, so that's only. Oops. Oh, well. I mean, not that you were going to take a rookie before. I was going to take it right here. Well, now you can. It's fixed. Oh, I'll, I'll just... oh, it's fixed completely? Yeah. Well, so anyways... So uh, Rish invented the multiverse, and I think that's super cool to see that level of innovation from a guy. Um, and so, yeah, just super impressed with that. Um, over here at the Astronauts, we're just trying to build something sweet. And so, you know, if you ever have any questions on how to set one up or do anything like that, talk to at underscore or at FF underscore Rish, because um, he's the man. Ben, let's talk about innovation, because um, I think that we and a lot of people if you guys haven't checked out our website, www.ffastronauts.com, we have been hard at work um, since about March. We've been building all sorts of new tools, new statistics, new ways of looking at things from a fantasy perspective, and everything is research-based. So let's explain that real quick. A lot of different pods, a lot of different websites, a lot of different analysts, they're basically all opinion-based or narrative-based, and that's okay, uh, but I feel like there's too many of those types of voices and not enough evidence-based practice. So similar to, I mean, fantasy football is just sports meteorology. You're, you're making a prediction about something in the future, and so it makes it easy to just take random guesses because in reality, there's no way you could possibly know the future. You're not, I don't know, what's the word, telekinetic. That's not the word. I'm, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> you're not a psychic. And so it makes it easy to have an excuse for why you don't need evidence based because everything's in the future and there's no reason that you could possibly know that. However, Ben and I and Rish have been trying very, very hard to develop new methods and methodologies to be able to actually have genuine evidence based uh, opinions. So for me, that's taken the role of my ArcTubs research, which uh, without getting into it too much, is going to be released later in the fall. And then, if you guys haven't checked it out, go and look at on the on the website at my under articles. You click on rookie running back review. And so I started this series where, while I'm doing my ArcTubs research, I'm able to kind of document as I go, and you guys can see what I'm seeing whenever I'm watching the film. Um, so it allows you to get a picture of what each rookie running back looks like on tape, what their skills are, what their defects are and you can have a good understanding of that and ben has tons of great statistics and a lot of them aren't released yet because he's still perfecting them and doing more research to uh, add on to them ben you want to talk about any of those 
and, and we're trying to validate them as well because you can come out with a cool stat but if it doesn't mean anything or it's not a, it doesn't predict well then it's really just a fun number explain correlation so uh, correlation is all about how do the two numbers match up so you want to find out what's uh, predictive between two things so like we'll take um, dominator rating for example so dominator rating takes some stats from um, a player's college career and says oh this player because he had an earlier breakout age or he owned a, a large market share of, of um, college targets or yards um, then he has a higher dominator rating right and then so you you want to know if that's valid though right on its own dominator rating is a really um, like fun idea and and um, so people have fallen in love with that as a, a cool way of measuring things but what you want to do is you want to check to see if that correlates at all to actual nfl success and what um, hayden winks has found was that um, it didn't really um, it was one of the better correlation um, between college stats and NFL production, but just as a whole, college stats in general and NFL production, whether that's fantasy stats or yards or whatever it is, they don't correlate well. Um, and so that that has been interesting to kind of discover. Fantasy research on its own is is, is still in its infancy. Um, it's it's very young, and we don't have we basically made up a bunch of cool ideas, but nobody has validated any of them. And so on our end of things, we're starting to get more into the validation research as far as, okay, what actually matters versus what just sounds cool. And so um, we're finding some good stuff, but we'll, we'll make sure to get that out to you guys. But just overall, what we're trying to do at the astronauts is, is basically um, marry like film study and NFL stats and predictive measures, right? To, to get a whole understanding of who a player is, you need to understand who he is as, as an athlete and how he will project to be on um, on his team or how his team um, plans to use him. And then also just what his uh, general statistics will project out to. Um, so again, we're, we're trying to put something together um, and it will be all sorts of different things, but yeah. Yeah, I like that yeah. you mentioned the, the film because that, that's been really my area of uh, one, I have a lot of experience with it. We, we all play college football, and you have to understand that anyone who's played college football has watched thousands of hours of tape. Uh, that's what we had to do in college constantly. We watched our own practices, we watched opposing games, we watched our own games, and we watched lots of it over and over and over. Then for me, I went from there to being a defensive coordinator for two years. What that meant for me is that I studied offenses exclusively for two years, where I watched it probably four or five games per team, um, so 10 games per year at a minimum. So that's 50 games a year, full games, where I would have to break down, uh, not including our own games, which is another 10. So 60 games per year. So my point is just that I watched a lot of football. I broke it down on a scientific level. And whenever I say breaking it down, I'm saying I'm putting in the, uh, how, what the personnel is. I'm putting in uh, how many running backs, what players doing this, what players doing that, what type of play it is, etc. So I've seen a lot of, enough at least, games to understand everything. And that's another big point of, one thing I've seen on Twitter lately is that you have to watch, when you're, you're taking fantasy information, you have to watch who you're taking it in from. It's really easy to get sucked into somebody who is just like some armchair analyst that's never actually played football, never actually been trained in how to watch film. So I think that that's one thing that you should be keeping an eye out whenever you're taking in fantasy information. I think there are plenty of people that are experts that never played college football that are very, very good at it. So I'm not, this isn't an indictment on that. So just be concerned, like filter what you're, what you're listening to so you understand who you're getting it from and make sure they have some sort of resume you believe in.